I'm beginning to think. Yes, I'm beginning to think. Thoughts become me. Welcome to The Cost of Not Paying Attention, hosted by nationally recognized speaker Janine Hamner Holman. Janine knows what it takes to attract and retain world class talent. Join her here each week on The Cost of Not Paying Attention as we use brain science, leadership, management, and real life challenges managers face to explore the places where we aren't paying attention. Welcome to The Cost of Not Paying Attention. I'm your host, Janine Hamner-Holman. What am I paying attention to today? So I just got off of a call with a client who was talking about helping her team get ready for annual reviews. And so like most people, she doesn't love doing annual reviews. She doesn't love getting annual reviews. She's got a team of about 10 people that she manages directly, and then they manage another 60 people. So she overall has a, a very large team and she has really been working this, this director has really been this CEO has really been working over the last year in being much more of a coach and much less of a manager, much less of a, certainly a micromanager. And so she spent a lot of time over the last week as we getting back from the holidays in training her people how to have great conversations with their people. And she went through a whole series of role plays individually with each one of these mem with each one of these managers helping them really feel secure and ready to have these conversations that can sometimes be challenging and she was telling me about how her manager who has the most challenging team of all of the teams in the company had their meetings with their direct reports and they all went really well and how proud she was of this leader. And so I got to say to her, yeah, I'm proud of this leader, Therese. I'm proud of, uh, I'm proud of Therese too, proud of how well she did. And I'm really proud of you. I'm uh, proud of how much you are getting out of sort of the player coach and into the coach mentality where you can really help authentically support your people and get them really ready for the challenges that they are facing. And so that leads me right into our guest for today, a self-described people enthusiast, Dr. Frankie G, or as we know him, Frank, is a diversity, equity, and inclusion, so DE&I, and leadership professional. Frank has two decades of experience using evidence-based practices to solidify the qualitative experience of employees in various public and private 
corporation entities. His focus on relationship building models, along with his facilitation background, provide a unique perspective to experiential and practical applications. Frank holds a doctorate in philosophy um, in organizational leadership and management with an emphasis in personality and in-group and out-group relationships in the workplace, leader and employee relationships as well. His love of continuous, enthusiastic learning is also the foundation of his DEI message, be curious. And one of the ways that I know Frank is also as an inclusionist. I had never heard that word before Frank and I met. And I, I love it. I think it's such a great word. So Frank Gonzalez, welcome to the show. Thank you, my friend. Happy New Year. Love it. Can I just can we just go back to our intro? If you yes. do not love Janine and what she's about, when you talk <laughs> about, I'm beginning to say, if that doesn't just set the tone for creativity and curiosity, I don't know what will. So I, I'm looking forward to it. Thank you for, thank you for uh, inviting me. And again, happy new year to you and everyone else listening. Yes. Happy new year. And I love it that you brought up that, that theme song, that theme song actually was created by the boyfriend of my cousin, uh, my cousin, Julie, actually. Oh, so if you haven't heard it yet, go back and listen to episode 50, Finding Your Voice with Julie Dean. She is my cousin and that is her and her uh, partner, boyfriend, uh, love interest man um, singing on, on that and he is playing the guitar. And I just, I love that song. So, and they, they created it for me. So makes me very happy. <laughs> Love it. So Frank, tell me, what is something <laughs> that you have become aware of that people aren't paying enough attention to? And what's the cost of that? Uh-oh, the hot seat, the hot uh -oh. seat. Uh-oh. Again, hello everyone. Frank, my pronouns are he, him, his. And again, yes, uh, self-described people enthusiast, meaning I'm inspired by people, everything about people. And, you know, that's where I get energized. And I would say what we're not paying attention to a lot in um, around is the cost of worry. And what I would say is the walls of worry is what I'll kind of label it as. And you think about worry what worry and the cost that it may have to your organization, the cost it may have to you if you're a leader or or have those direct reports as you were talking about with one of your clients who is having yep. to then, you know, what worry she or he may have, what cost it has to you, and what cost it has to the relationships that you may have. And that's definitely in the realm of inclusion because it's a lot about you. It's a lot about your environment. We're environmental creatures. I would say a lot of it is you know, I'll go one analogy for anybody who likes comics. Comics have been in the, the movies a lot. It's like vibranium. <laughs> you know, if you're familiar with vibranium, it's this really, it's a fictional uh, metal, but it has the ability, fictionally, to absorb so much energy. Mm -hmm. But it also has the ability to put that energy back out, right? right. But it's the energy of worry. 
that's really we're not paying attention to and there's a huge cost to that so i'd love to dive into that i'm sure you have questions about that it was actually what you and i were talking about a little earlier too is just the the, the environmental things that happen in our life that right. cause us worry and may actually uh, lead to some parts of our exclusion as well yeah you know one of the things that i i love that has happened with this focus on diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging is the realization that, you know, wherever we meet another human being, we are coming into their movie, which is, you know, which has been playing for however long it has been playing. And we don't know what the background is. We, we missed, you know, the whole first however many years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years of that movie. And so we're coming in wherever we're coming in and we only know what it is that they feel safe to reveal to us. So as my listeners know, I always try to be honest and genuine and transparent. As you, Frank, know, I got a phone call this morning. I can witness that, yes. From my mom letting me know that my dad, who turned 85 last September, uh, that my dad is in the hospital with COVID. He had been diagnosed with COVID on Tuesday. And last night around 11 o'clock, he said to my mom, we need to go to the hospital right now. And when they got in the car, he said to her, you need to run all the red lights. This is an emergency. You know, right now he is, he's been admitted to the hospital, but he's still in the emergency room. And so he's not comfortable. He's still on a gurney thinking about my beloved father in the hospital by himself with COVID coughing. I was able to talk to him for only a couple of minutes on his cell phone because since they just sort of ran out of the house, he doesn't have a cell phone charger and an enormous amount of my brain space right now and probably all of my heart space is with my dad. And they're in Cambridge, Massachusetts. I am in Altadena, California. And I said to my mom, you know, I was I was just there over the holidays for which I'm very grateful. And the presumption is my dad is going to get through this and be okay. Knock on wood and we don't know yet how how it's all going to play out. And so I said to my mom, would you like me to come back home and be with, I mean, really, the purpose of that is to be with her. And she said, no, at any moment, that may become necessary. But I've, you know, done several work calls this morning, we are here now doing this podcast interview, I have another uh, couple of meetings after this. And that may very well not come up in those meetings and it's a big part of what's going on with me right now and if i were in a meeting and somebody said something that rubbed me the wrong way or triggered me or just made me think about my dad in a way that made me feel more worried or fearful i could have a big reaction um i mean my emotions right now as you may be able to tell are very close to the surface. And, and so this conversation around our mental health, around us feeling like 
we are an integrated person. And if I have things going on that I need or want to be able to share in a work context that have nothing to do with me as a worker, but have everything to do with me as a human, you know, I think we're still finding our way through how, how do we navigate that? So what are your thoughts on, on all of that? First of all, I've told you already, but I'll, I'll say it again, you know, first of all, thank you for just, you know, saying what's on your mind and I'm sorry, and hopefully yeah. everything does go well. And I think you said it right. You know, I think it's also about being there for your, for your, for your mom. And the other thing you said outside of the personal that what's going on is how that relates to, to work. Right. Absolutely. The analogy I have, you know, and I'm just picking up something I have around me right now, right? Is it, and you can do this in your mind or doodle something, whether you like bar graphs, you like circles, you really like, or I'm just looking at a pen, you know, about who you are personality wise, and this is gonna get into inclusion and belonging, but who you are is about 60 to 65%, give or take, regardless of other, and I'm talking about just who you are personally. Right. Right? The other piece right here, when I was talking about being environmental, is all those environmental reactions that might be temporary. Now, temporary, I'm gonna use that word very, very <laughs> casually, should Loosely. I say. Yes. Yes. Temporary to me might be six years. It might be six minutes for you. I don't know. Right. Right. <laughs> right? right. But absolutely, who who we are. When we talk about authenticity and being a servant leadership, transformational EQ. Any model that you subscribe to, it's really hard when that forty percent right there, or thirty five percent, thirty five or forty percent. It's, it's what's going on. And in the workplace, that's really hard to bring those things up when everything's about deliverables, time, 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 what's going on, we're gonna meet, or let's meet about meetings, let's do this, let's do that. And it's worry, it's worry. And the last thing I'll say about worry, when you think about worry, you're like, okay, so, but what about other things, right? That creativity, they, well, worry will not only hinder or bring to a halt or decrease relationships, again, with yourself, with others, with your leader, with your organization. It could also hinder other things like openness, creativity, your sense to put things in order. I, I'm, I'm scrambling, right? right? To be a little bit more warm with others if you're focusing on other things. To be a conflict manager, maybe that's what part of your role is uh, to, to manage the conflict of others. I'm already dealing with this. <laughs> Yeah, as they say, my cup is full. So right. you, everything you said is—it's all research-based, but it's also practical. Right. We're not paying attention to our worry, and what can we do about that? First thing you did right there was vocalize it, and we could talk a little bit about that uh, a little bit later. But those are my thoughts about it, and and, and those are de definitely barriers to uh, you know being included, and also feeling connections with belonging. Yeah, and you know, part of the reason that I that I try to be transparent and authentic and uh, vulnerable in this podcast is is to model that for other leaders. And that's part of what it takes to create an organization where that is accepted. You know, <laughs> if I have a team of 100 people, 200 people, 10,000 people, who are part of my organization and I am never vulnerable, they are not gonna feel safe mm -hmm. to feel vulnerable. Yeah. 
And so the more, right? So the more that we can normalize it, the more that we can say, yeah, <laughs> shit happens in people's lives. And that a bumper sticker on Forrest right? Gump. Yeah, bring that back, right? It Put it on happens. Because it. <laughs> it does. And if we want to pretend that I am functioning at a hundred percent right now, it's it's bullshit, right? I mean, I am I am not physically able. I am not mentally able to function at that level. I was talking with my mom and I said, you know, dad's still on this gurney. And I think what would be really great is if you could bring some pillows and a phone charger to him at the hospital. And, and her response, I mean, it, it was, it was so great. Her, her response was like, well, what do, what do I, what do I put that in? I said, well, so we have those, those tote bags and you could put, you could put it in that. She's like, okay, but they don't zip. I said, mom, it's pillows. It, do it doesn't matter if it doesn't zip. It's like, okay, so then how, how will I identify? I said, so you can just take a Sharpie marker and write on the outside of it. Well, then what if they don't let me bring it to him? Well, mom, you could call the hospital. Well, what would I say, mom, would you like me to call the hospital? So I called the hospital, you know, but when, of course, this is her husband, they've been married for 61 years and he's in a scary state and she didn't sleep last night. And so like helping her think all of this through as you know obviously as a daughter but also as a leader in our family that's part of what we get to do with our people because we can get totally taken out by worry we can get in a place where we can't really think something through logically my mom could not figure out like how to get a phone charger and some pillows to my dad my mom is a very very smart woman. But the worry and the lack of sleep was completely inhibiting her ability to function. And so stepping in in a way that supports her, that doesn't undermine her, but that like lifts, lifts her up, holds her in this time. And I also said, okay, mom, so if I'm not hopping on a plane, who of your friends are you reaching out to? so that you've got support around you in this time. Mm -hmm. And so we went, we went through different people and, and, you know, I mean, obviously this is my mom. I am the oldest child. I am the first person that she called to really have a conversation about this. And it's not that different from an employee, a valued employee who is coming into work and seeming a little off. And so like, how do we begin, Frank, from, from all of your research, how do we begin to normalize mm -hmm. that, that like that that's an appropriate thing for a boss to check in on? Hey, Janine, you seem a little off and I just want to check in. Is everything okay? And how can I support you? Right. You have woven in two main things and I think it's where you need to start, right? Number one is 
that home life over here, those are natural reactions to what's normalized at home. Right. Mom, you know, okay, you're, you're, you're calming each other, reducing each other's worries so that you can think through. Absolutely. Openness is highly correlated with inclusion and creative yeah. thinking, right? But you're helping each other reduce that worry naturally. Yep. The other thing is when you said it's no different than the workplace, it's not. But it's also understanding that where we are in the workplace is it's not normalized everywhere. Yeah. It's not. Right. So your organization's reactions or lack of reaction or right. not just, you know, just no reaction at all is because it's unnatural. The human yeah. experience is unnatural. That's why I started with organization. And organizationally, I'm talking about your as highest leaders. When we talk about diversity and representation and going into inclusion, the action, that's why it starts there. Yeah. If you want to really see where organization is at, right? You talk about organizational culture and things, right? Those formulas, there's a lot of formulas out there, but basically the personality of your highest leaders in whatever function or in your C-suite or layers below that in your senior right. leadership teams, plus behaviors, or minus behaviors, plus whatever values you put up on the wall for virtually yep. first workforces is really indicative of your culture. So if they're not normalizing it up there, it starts with the organization. We always yeah. focus on managers and say, manage, manage, man managers have the toughest job. You're balancing the vision of the company and the priorities, and you're also managing actual people and their functions. Yeah. It actually starts with organizations first. Right. Right. Then leaders, then really, other people around you and then yeah. you and how do you do that so i offer a simple like you have to vocalize it and you also for those that are really trying to normalize it for themselves you have mm -hmm. to start writing it down yeah and a simple exercise that i recommend is my organization worries me when write down a few things i love that my organization about. worries me when, when. And this is personalized. This is for you. Don't worry about yeah. anybody else. That's the thing about inclusion belonging, where it's all about you. I could put some framework up here, what expectations right. of that organization, but what do you, what worries you? And then layer it down. My leader worries me when. Le others worry me when. I worry when, dot, dot, dot. Yeah. Right? One, two, three things, not a long list. Not, right. You don't have to be. And, and think, <laughs> start thinking about that and normalize it for yourself so that you understand what your expectations are and what drives worry so that you can help reduce that so that you can bring those things to yourself, right? I would say the second thing is when my organization worries, I, and then again, ah. the same thing. So. Uh -huh. You know, so it's kind of like what worries and then when they worry, it's almost now getting to an action. So when they worry, I freak out. Right, right, right. <laughs> I start, I can't, I, I can't, I go for a walk, I yell, I do things that we, you know, the alcohol consumption and other things <laughs> like that where they're not the best for their temporary fixes. They're supposed to make us feel good, not better. Think about that. Good, not better. Have a good time, but it's the coping is going to be temporary. That's and right. Say the very last part, because it's a three layers, you know when they what they and the last thing is you know what lowers your worry so you actually fill in the mm -hmm. blank mm -hmm. you know walking lowers my worry when this happens talking with a friend lowers my you know 
what what lowers your worry when it comes to organization, leader, yourself, and relationships with others? Because before you can ever make that leap, regardless of race, ethnicity, regardless of gender, regardless of colorism, any other factors in the realm and realms, accessibility, you know, abilities, we can't get into being included or belonging. <laughs> When you, when, unless you have those. And in my specific research, I'll, I'll, I'll end here. My specific research really focuses on four different areas. We talk about the in-group, out-group, and relationship. And it's built off of Lighting and Mass Lens, uh, MDM, LMX, for those who are familiar. So leader membership exchange. It's a relationship between leader and, and member. So it's, it's, it's the realization that we are treated different because we are different. Right. Now, what do we do about that? And what the layers of relationship progress or you know, regressing that we have that takes place. But in professional respect, that's like who you are, your credentials, your contributions, et cetera. Worry, what I what I have surveyed, and, and I, I actually, you know, looked at this several hundred full-time employees that actually mirrored the demographics of our labor force. So it's a really great study. When you worry, that lowers the professional respect in your mind. Uh-huh. Uh, that you have. And and also when I think about worry, I, I just I want to clarify something. When I say worry, I'm also talking about like constantly seeking a, you know approval and like kind mm -hmm. of second guessing yourself. When we talk about like lasers and yep. you just you start to like worry so much and you second guess everything. You just it's like losing your keys and they were right in front of you the entire time. What happens, right? They were right there. Right. But it's professional respect, just credentials, who you are, your work contribution, right? Lowers that. The other part is contribution, the residual effort you put in. So, you, you know, you're trucking along, you know, Janine's like that. She's trucking along. She's got one meeting, this meeting, she's got more meetings. The whole day went by. You might've actually put in 11 hours and nobody asked you to do that. Right. But you're so caught up in your work and you love it. And you actually, you know, feel like people see that you resonate and you're just in good mood right here, but this is still transactional. These two layers are transactional. Mm -hmm. Worry reduces your feelings that contribution is really being received. It's mm. all about the other two higher layers of you getting really included and, and really getting that exposure, mobility, accessibility, and really having what I call being included or that mm -hmm. connection, right? These higher la layers, loyalty, and also this kind of affect that you hear a lot in research, but like that friendship that like, my boss is like somebody I would hang out with, even though I don't, you know, I may not remember <laughs> I would talk about, you know, even though like they're not that important to really be talking about, but I would if I did, because I see them very friend-like. But in those two higher levels, worry also significantly reduces your ability to really feel like your the loyalty or uh, affect, that friendship-like state is there. And I'll say about loyalty, and this is where inclusion really is, Loyalty is really about what would you feel like your manager or your organization would say about you when you're not in the room, Janine, when you're not in the room. Yeah. That you, you know, you just feel like if I gave you a scale, one to five, five for sure, five out of five, Janine would be talking praises about me, whether I'm in the room or not. And that's what gets me the exposure to be included in those meetings, to get mo mobilized into pockets of where I'm not represented, right? Yeah. But if I worry so much, I'm really going to be marking a lot of twos and threes. There's a lot of room for improvement. And it really starts with me. So I know I gave you a lot there, but that's a, 
that's years of research in uh, like five minutes. Did I do all right? <laughs> no, you were you were brilliant, Frank. I I found this graphic and I love it. And imposter syndrome is that feeling that we get when we feel like, oh man, they they are gonna figure out that. I don't know everything or that I don't know as much as I pretend that I do or or I'm not I really don't belong in this room in this conversation you know we we all at some point have this feeling and so I I loved this this pie chart you know people who get imposter syndrome this amount of people, other people who get imposter syndrome, this amount of people, literally everybody else because they get imposter syndrome too. And I and there's a direct connection between imposter syndrome and feeling like we belong. Um, and so I wanted to, to put this out to you to sort of uh, expound upon a little bit, this idea around imposter syndrome and its connection to DE&I. First of all, can I just say, I love the graphic, not just because of what the content is, but it's perfectly imperfect as far as the doodle. It's, uh, you know, exactly, it's, right? the concept there, and is it like perfectionism part of worry sometimes too? What are the people, other people gonna say and how you show up? Yep. When I say that worry and how that is, I want, I want people to understand that it's almost like Einstein's the whole the acquiring of knowledge. Now you feel even less knowledgeable because now you're down this deep oasis of like unknown and you realize, right. am I the only one that sees this, that there's just so much still more to explore? Well, exactly. So education, although great, no matter what people at all, all levels of education feel that. And even in, in when I've done my own research, again, with several hundred professionals, you feel that sense of like, do I belong here? Because there's always somebody better, more knowledgeable, says it a different way. How yep. do you combat that, right? So that's just education. And then the pay, if, you, if you've if you ever actually, you know, I, I wanna make, fill in the blank. X amount of money, money, right. And you're like, once you get there, if you've never experienced it before, you're like, do I deserve this kind of money? I mean, first couple of times you're right. all excited, you're not worried. Right. No, you're not worried at all. You're like, what do you do? Yeah. So I'm take this away. Like, let me check my bank account a couple of times before I That's spend right. too much. But after bank a while, it normalizes, it normalizes. And, you, and then the posture syndrome, the worry still comes up. Yep. Right. And you're still like, do I deserve this kind of pay? Right. And actually, when you're interviewing, that can come across sometimes if you're looking for new opportunities. They see you at a certain title, a certain role, a certain pay. And let's say like you're just looking for something that makes you happy and you're willing to go down from whatever level to this level. Yeah. And they will actually scope you out and say, ah, you know, are you uh, sure? And you yeah. look at you like, am I sure? <laughs> that correlation there, again, it's beyond gender. It's beyond race, ethnicity, right? Those are still factors. One thing I didn't mention in my research too is that race, ethnicity always plays a significant factor in all of those four levels too. It's an added layer. But worry comes first, and that starts with you. What do you do to combat that? Simple things is normalizing it once again and saying, you know what? Worry is also all that, not that bad. That means you're human, <laughs> right? Can we just humanize things for a little bit, Janine? Right, say, please. It's okay to be worried a little bit. Yes, it is totally okay to be. I mean, it is human. Yourself, right? it just, 
a little worry is okay. I'm saying when it actually paralyzes you in thought, what do you do? Yeah. Vocalize it, write it down, then take actions, which is what those three steps I was really getting at to figure out what works for you. Cause I'm going to, I can give you advice all day long. That's not going to stick. Nope. Adult learning in general, right? Yeah. I'm getting you to think I'm hopefully getting you to feel a certain way. Now what to do, that's completely up to you, but I am giving you steps on what to do. Yeah. Again, vocalize it, write it down, work works for you. And just understand that it's completely normal to worry that imposter syndrome is always going to be there. And let me tell you, the more money you make, the higher titles you get, the more the exposure bigger you get, it gets. The goals, that imposter syndrome is big. And Janine knows firsthand with all the, some of the clients that she may have, right. Where it's like, I am the fill in the blank title. Right. I don't know if I'm a great leader. Yeah. <laughs> You're just questioning that. You're like, what do your engagement scores say? What do this say? I, I, that doesn't matter right now. I'm paralyzed in thought. Right? I don't know what to do. No, like, I mean, I have God. this conversation with CEOs. I have this conversation with surgeons. I have this conversation with people who, you know, when we think of sort of the, the top of the mountain, that's where these people are. And they have it too. I mean, you know, so... So it's back to that normalizing. I also find for myself, Frank, and, and I wonder what your thoughts are about this. There are some things that I find really helpful in some situations in calming me down. And then there's other things in other situations that I find helpful in calming me down. And then there's a few, like no matter what's going on, a hug from my husband, that's always going to make me feel better no matter what is going on. Being at the beach, uh, it's always going to make me feel better. The sound. again, it's a thing with the beach. So that's right. That's right. <laughs> right. And, and so for some of us, it is specific songs. It's specific sounds. For some of us, it's running. For some of us, it's reading a book. For some of us, it's playing a game on our, our phone or our computer or something that gets us out of our head. For some of us, it's getting into action about whatever that thing is that worries us. So is that is that typical that like there's some things that are really helpful in specific situations and other things that are helpful in other kinds of situations? Absolutely. And and for those that are listening, I, I encourage you to, you can see several models of it, but like the cognitive bias codex, mm. cognitive bias codex, search it, find an image of it. There's several different, whatever resonates with you, keep it. Really, we're talking about decisions. So once I can, what's worrying me, it's, it's making decisions about career, about my family, like you're, you're, you're doing just personal work, personal work, balance, 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 or imbalance. And this worry, how do you bring that down? Whether whatever temporary state you're in, because you're going to consistently have to do that. Who you are right here, this could be broken down that wall, that wall of worry, but, or really it's more like chiseled. Right. And that, that cognitive bias codex, my, my reaction to that, it's really in four categories. And then I'll just kind of bring that down. But, you know, you're talking about like memory. So some songs, conversations, experiences bring up memory, right. right? So whatever helps calm that. So memory is huge, right? So that's the M, right? The A is a lot of ambiguity. So are you worried about a situation you've never been in? 
And that's where usually like a conversation with someone else that you feel that has more experience in you and mentorship and guidance and sponsorship that really helps. How do I navigate ambiguous situations I've never been in? Because that can create worry and that can actually halt your decisions and who you are, right? And the yeah. last two, so there's M, right? Memory, memories or emotional connections. A or ambiguity in your how your mind really works because it is mind leadership everything it's who you are right influence or acceptance of influence I'd say the last the last two are information overload <laughs> I just don't know what I'm looking at <laughs> hospital forms for for your for your father unfortunately much yeah. less a an, an ambiguous and an information overload deck slide deck I've been given by my leader or my organization and it's worrying me because. Yeah. I don't know where I'm looking at. I'm gonna have to Google the Google stuff. And the last piece is, is just that speed, right? That speed of information. And that's where the real bias starts coming in, right? So I give up on these other things critically and it happens within a split second or seconds. And then all of a sudden now I'm just relying on intuition and experience, Yeah. right? But again, it's still being halted and you're gonna revert back to prior experiences. And when you think about leadership in general, going back to overarching leadership, right? What's the, What's the, the the Greek philosophy of you know great leaders learn from every experience and person? Right. Mediocre leaders rely on experiences and horrible. It really doesn't say horrible. It's like a curse word or something. But <laughs> horrible leaders have all the answers. Right. So let me go back to it's okay. You normalize it memory ambiguity information overload and speed are part of all her worry and decision making how do you overcome it vocalize it normalize it it's okay and seek conversations with others. i think that always helps and that's the belonging the connection being able to connect with others right because inclusion i think about collaborative work environments and i think about inclusion i think about the contributions i have and that loyalty and do my boss talk good about me and big be included in decisions okay that gets in that belonging decision-making but also connection that connection piece that's what's huge right? right what's the connection you need to get that worry lower so that these other really great things about janine and all others really flourishes and if it just takes five minutes at every start of every meeting or the last five minutes of every meeting that's been highly effective i, I believe it was microsoft or one of the big companies that made that like a standard during the pinnacle of covid and remote first right is uh, before we start the meeting How's everyone doing? You, how, how you, doing? you could do it. Team meetings yep. for the last five minutes. We're going to end the meetings early. Let's just shoot the, you know what? How's everybody doing? That's those are things you can incorporate. People need that. So you're going to be a great leader. Do that. If you're going to be a great follower and how you accept influence, expect that. I need the time to tell you, I got some crap going on at home right now. Right. And it's preventing me from being my best self. And your, your manager, your leader, I mean, they actually, they want to know that information because it's going to help them support you better in getting the things done that need to be done. And there may be some time critical things that may need to get, you know, shuffled around because you're not able to be your best right now. And, you know, we so often, we fall into this, it's not really a syndrome, but it's sort of a syndrome of feeling like I need to have it all together all the time. Very much. And the reality is nobody's got, nobody has got it together all the time. None of us. 
I'm pointing myself <laughs> for anybody <laughs> that might be visually impaired or, or just listening in versus the video. Yeah, I'm pointing myself and saying, nope, <laughs> I know I don't have it together. And I'm right. vocalizing it, though. Exactly. Now what do I need to do to get it together right now? <laughs> right. Now, now. So, okay. <laughs> I don't have it all together. Now, what do I need to do to be able to function as best as I can at the moment? And then what do I need to do to get back to be able to fully function? You know, and it may be that some some things, some circumstances need to change. My dad needs to get out of the damn hospital. <laughs> that will help. But I don't want him out of the hospital until he's been yeah. helped and healed. You know, he's coughing up a storm right now. And so I want him to get the treatment that he needs and then to be able to go home and be with my mom. And you know, until, until that happens, I will not be fully functioning. And so then what do I need to support me to be as good as I can be given the circumstances in which I'm operating? Mm -hmm. And the reality is, you know, this is, this is what is happening with me right now on the, the two year anniversary of January the 6th. Um, and, you know, other people may be having reactions to the fact that it's the two-year anniversary of January 6th. Um, and other people may be having reactions to whatever's going on in their own lives. And so, you know, as, as we've been talking about, figuring out how to normalize those things, um, I think, is, is where the game is at. You know, you think about all this, and it's just, it's before you can you can start to like have those expectations of the organization your leader of others that is part of that know thyself well what worries you and we're not paying attention to worry but a worry again significantly reduces so many other factors of who you are we're talking about authenticity there's you know several other people you have to work with and react to in that authentic environment where authentically i love to curse all the time i'm not sure if every other curse word i don't know if you know this as a fact <laughs> but every other word out of my mouth may be a curse word if that's my authentic self and i've met people like that and that's just who they are and you get to know me you're like that's actually kind of charming i don't know it's weirdly charming that's just not me right but, but they show up that way and they just, you know, every time maybe they, as a new people, it becomes a normalized thing. We're like, Hey, no worry. Is it, you know, it's, uh, I just curse loud. I'm sorry. You know, just, you know like, let me know and, when I'm doing too much. Right. <laughs> like, right. You know, and that's one of those things to decide as an organization, like what is our, what is our policy around swearing? Listeners to the show know that I have a policy around swearing, which is that I swear for accuracy not for impact and so if it's going to be like oh, she said a bad word that i never swear for that reason at some point today i said it's bullshit because whatever it was was in fact bullshit yeah, and some people like, like to hear that and that's fine you know i'm right. just using a funny like example but again of course yeah. but there are some people yeah who their language is just laced with profanity and it's just the way that they talk. Mm -hmm. And then the organization has to decide. Our, our episode, I think uh, last time 
was about this idea around, do we really want people to bring their whole selves to work? What does that really mean? And if at your organization, part of how you as an organization need to present is people don't swear, then that part of that person just doesn't get to be expressed at work. And there's all kinds of parts of us that to have the organization work well, actually don't get to be expressed at work. And so, but I think we're at this place where it's really important to get very conscious about what do we mean when we talk about bringing your whole self to work and how do we have people be able to be authentic and be able to be genuine and be able to feel included and like they belong and also be really clear about you know my my rights end where your rights begin so it may be that i have certain beliefs that are not appreciated here in this organization and that just gets to be a part of me that does not get expressed at work and but we as an organization need to set the norms so that people are really clear about it and it needs to be it gets to be consistent throughout the organization so it's not like well you know frank gets to swear but janine doesn't get to swear <laughs> nope that's not how that gets to work well frank this has been such a delight and and there have been a couple of times when i've looked at the clock and i've thought oh man We've been trying to have this be a 30 minute show and we've been trying to have more graphics and, and visual things. And I just love and adore you so much that I just got totally caught up in this conversation. When you and I were first talking about this, we said, all right, the, the Frank and Janine show is gonna be called Laughter and Tears. Oh, yeah. I love it. Stay tuned. <laughs> yeah, there will be a Frank and Janine show part two. More laughter and tears to come oh, your way. Yeah, yeah. In the <laughs> Frank, it has been a delight. I just adore you. And and I adore what you're up to creating uh, both for your organization and for the world. So thank you so much for sharing yourself with us today. Thank you. <laughs> On behalf of Janine Hamner-Holman, thanks for paying attention. This has been the cost of not paying attention. Head on over to our website, www.janinehamner.com forward slash podcast for access to the show notes as well as additional resources. Remember, great leaders make great teams.